Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to episode 20 of the Pro Wrestling Index on the Anfield Index Podcast Network. I am your host, Matt Topolsky, and we have a packed agenda on the schedule for this week's program. Joining me, as always, is my co-commentating colleague from across the pond, Mo Chatra. Mo, how you feeling, my friend? I'm doing pretty good, Matt. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. We have a lot of exciting uh, things to talk about in the world of sports entertainment, professional wrestling this week. And uh, I'm excited because Reality of Wrestling has its grand opening of the World's Gym Arena this weekend. And uh, so I'm going to get to call commentary at a beautiful facility. I can't wait. I'm stoked. And I'll tell everybody about it a little bit later. So uh, I'm, I'm in great spirits, man. We've got so much to cover. And uh, I think we should get the bad news out of the way uh, to start this thing off. Let's get it out of the way. Let's talk about it uh, before we talk about some happier things on the show. And that, of course, is the the breaking news that was dropped uh, just a few days ago on social media by WWE Hall of Famer Brett the Hitman Hart. And that news is that he is battling prostate cancer. This guy has been through so much in his life from coming back from a stroke that nearly took his life and nearly p- paralyzed him for the rest of his life to dealing with the the death of his brother, other deaths throughout his family. I mean, the Hart family are really like the uh, the Kennedys of pro wrestling. So much tragedy surrounding this family and surrounding the life of Brett the Hitman Hart. Uh, what were your first reactions when you heard this news, Mo? Well, it was quite sad news. Obviously, um, Brett Hart is one of the all-time legendary figures in the history of the business and um, like yourself I'm sure Matt um, he's a wrestler that I grew up watching and uh, being a big big fan of Um, so it was very sad news um, and it seemed to um, be something that saddened a lot of people I mean when the news broke um, earlier in the week it was trending here in the UK on Twitter um, for the rest of the day um, and it might well have been in the United States as well. Um, so it shows just um, how popular and how um, significant a cultural figure he is that um, uh, a wrestling star transcended um, uh, the wrestling business when news of his um, cancer issue broke. And, um, you know, even Madison Square Garden um, was wishing well on one of the signs outside that legendary venue. Um, so it was big, big news. And um, you know, needless to say, uh, we certainly wish 
Bret Hart a fall and speedy recovery. Um, and, you know, he's come back from adversity on numerous occasions in the past, and I'm sure he will again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, nobody embodies the uh, the term perseverance, if you will, or uh, that uh, never quit attitude quite like Bret Hart and everything that he's been through. I, I grew up idolizing the man, one of my favorite wrestlers and, and one of my heroes as a kid. And, and I've been very fortunate thanks to um, to where I work and, and who I work with to be able to spend time with Bret Hart uh, over the last year, year and a half, I've, I've got to meet and spend time with Brett twice. And uh, he is one hell of a guy and, you know, has some incredible stories. And he's just lived uh, one one amazing life and career. And uh, we wish him the best of luck in this fight. And I know, you know, the hashtag fight Brett fight was out there on social media. Millions of people love and respect and admire Bret Hart. And we certainly uh, we certainly send him our best wishes. You know, interestingly enough, after Brett made this announcement, Mo, he did an interview, and I have uh, the transcript in front of me because after he talked about his battle with prostate cancer, uh, a question came up regarding his brother Owen Hart in this interview and the rumors surrounding whether or not Owen Hart would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, in a minute, we'll talk about a supposed leaked list of Hall of Fame nominees which have come out for this year. But um, the rumor is that Owen Hart will not be inducted into the WWE 2016 Hall of Fame class, which is disappointing to many, myself included. And Brett was asked about this, and he said that he could confirm it to a certain degree, but that no one had told him officially. Uh, Brett also went into this conversation, I'm just paraphrasing here a little bit, saying that the main obstacle to this was Owen's widow, Martha, who he said is really obtuse and kind of a bitter woman that never understood that it wasn't the wrestling fans or a wrestler that killed Owen. And uh, he said that it was an unfortunate accident. So over the years, Brett's opinion, uh, at least publicly, has changed on this a little bit. And um, he thinks that it's really sad that Martha has this opinion and believes that um, it's erasing the memory of Owen Hart. What are some of your thoughts and impressions regarding Owen Hart and um, whether or not he should be in the Hall of Fame and, and how this whole ordeal has been handled? I mean, we lost Owen back in 1999. It's been many, many years, and uh, still she's been unwilling to budge on this issue. Well, there's no love loss between Martha Hart and the WWE, and especially uh, McMahon family. Um been all sorts of uh, problems um, sometimes which have resulted in uh, legal proceedings um, between both parties and uh, it's fair to say that um, there's no uh, happy ending in sight where that situation is concerned. I think it's um, almost insulting to Owen Hart's legacy and his career and his love of the business though that Martha Hart wishes to completely distance herself and denigrate the wrestling business in the way she does though and it's a real shame that if she thinks that Owen Hart shouldn't be inducted into WWE Hall of Fame or that he shouldn't be featured um, by the WWE in any way um, because of her feeling that they might be looking to exploit him in any certain way and I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think WWE fans should get an opportunity to celebrate the life and times of Owen Hart. He gave a lot to the WWE, was quite an influential figure. I mean, when he debuted in the WWE, um, I think it was originally as a Blue Blazer 
back around 1988. Um, he was quite a revolutionary figure in a way in that um, up until that point in time, your high flyers were the likes of Jimmy Snook and Ricky Steamboat, who um, compared to the high flying moves that Owen Art was coming out with, um, those guys seemed almost primitive in comparison. Um, so Owen Hart certainly helped to um, evolve the high flying star within the WWE as the Blue Blazer. And then later on, once Mask was gone, um, as part of the new foundation with Jim Neidhart, and um, then um, forging a very successful singles career. Um, and um, he, he was certainly somebody who made a, an impression on many. And uh, I think the WWE fan base has certainly get an opportunity to celebrate that. And I think it would be fitting to see him inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame one day. But as, as Brett alluded to, it seems that this year might not be that year. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because it just seems like every year is just not that year. And, um, uh, you know, we can't really speak on her behalf, on, on Owen's widow's behalf, because this is a situation that, of course, is, is unique to her. But, um, you know, the many fans of Owen Hart, myself included, and his brother, Bret Hart, uh, obviously urging her to change her mind and, and make a different decision. Because that is the thing, is that um, his legacy – and his life could live on through the fans and through the memory of, of the things that he did in his career. And a WWE Hall of Fame induction, I think, would go a long way uh, towards that. Uh, when we were preparing for the show earlier today, Mo, you had mentioned uh, that uh, recently on the dirt sheets, if you will, there was a leak or a supposed leak of some of the other Hall of Fame inductions for this year's class that will be presented in Dallas. We already have heard of the icon Sting, and that was officially announced by WWE some weeks ago. Uh, but what are some of the things that you're hearing about um, uh, some of these other leaks that have come out about potential Hall of Famers for this year's class? Yes, yeah, some interesting names. And um, this was something that's actually broken by the What Culture website. And um, some of the talk online has been that the league might have some credibility to it. And I can reveal that um, some of these other names that have been floated around include, uh, and we'll go into these names and whether they are deserving of induction, are uh, the fabulous Freebirds, uh, Miss Jackie, uh, Jacqueline, who uh, competed in the Attitude Era for the WWE. Right. Um, JBL, The Godfather, and in terms of the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame, um, legendary talk show host, Regis Philbin. So those oh, wow. are the so those are the uh, six names, including Sting, um, that have been talked about thus far. Now, uh, bear in mind, usually in the last uh, few years, the WWE Hall of Fame has had around eight inductees into the Hall of Fame. So um, that's six that have been leaked, and I, I think there's some credibility to that because bear in mind, um, the WWE does like to have um, a, a kind of a local link. Uh, based on where WrestleMania is taking place um, to the Hall of Fame inductees. And certainly um, Texas runs through the, as a golden thread linking most of those names. I mean, the fabulous Freebirds were a legendary, legendary team um, emerging in the early 80s. Um, in your home state of Texas, um, down in da or across in Dallas, um, yeah in world-class championship wrestling and had a legendary feud with um, the Von Erichs, the likes of Kerry Von Erich, David Von Erich, Mike Von Erich, um, even with their father, 
the late great uh, Fritz von Erich. Um, yeah. So that was an incredible feud. And if you can check out World Class Championship Wrestling on the WWE Network, some of the heat in the Dallas Sportatorium was incredible. Um, it was just one of the all-time great feuds, and they are very deserving inductees. If if that's the, if that's uh, very true, um, and then on top of that, we've got um, Miss Jacqueline, who I'd certainly argue is not worthy of induction. Um, but I guess the WWE feels that um, they need to be inducting at least um, one female into the Hall of Fame, and I, I guess that. Uh, Jacqueline, um, being a former um, champion in the WWE, as well as somebody who um, is from Texas, uh, perhaps fits the bill. Um, and, and there are, if you go through the Hall of Fame, previous inductees, uh, people who you could argue are perhaps less deserving. Um, but nonetheless, um, she's a, a veteran of the Texas scene, uh, worked for many years in Texas, and in the USWA in the Tennessee area as well, um, very popular figure within the business. And um, then on top of that, you've got um, JBL and the Godfather. Yeah. Um, one thing that I would say is I, I, I have to absolutely agree with you on, on Miss Jackie. I, I don't understand. And when I, when I heard this weeks ago uh, that this could be coming as well, I didn't understand it then. Um, you know, if you're going to put a diva in the Hall of Fame class this year, there are many that are much more deserving. Uh, Stacy Keebler should be in there. I would even argue Sable uh, yes. it would make a hell of a lot more sense to me right now than than Miss Jackie. I think a lot of what's going on here is, uh, first of all, let me, let me clear the air and say the fabulous Freebirds are absolutely deserving. It's long overdue, uh, especially for Michael P.S. Hayes to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, just for his individual contributions to the business over the years. I mean, you could argue that he should be in the Hall of Fame alone for being Doc Hendricks. So um, with that being said, um, the Godfather, I believe, is a regional induction. JBL, I believe, is a regional induction. Um, so, and, and then obviously Miss Jackie being a regional induction. So I just, I didn't want this to become a, a regional hall of fame class, uh, because it's just going to be completely cliched. And I think that's exactly what we're looking at here. We're looking at a very disappointing hall of fame class, uh, if that's the case. And by no means am I saying that JBL's not, uh, uh, deserving of this either. But what I am saying is that right now there are many more talents that are much more deserving to be in the WWE Hall of Fame than uh, some of the talents on this list. And, of course, I think that starts with Miss Jackie. So this will be interesting because uh, WWE is already setting up for what uh, appears to be a fairly underwhelming WrestleMania. And uh, we continue to try and figure out whether we're going to buy or sell on this thing. But uh, on the Hall of Fame class right now, I'd have to say that other than Sting uh, and the fabulous Freebirds, I'd have to sell. I completely agree. Um, as I mentioned at the start, um, it's only six inductees, and they usually have one or two more than that. So uh, if they can announce somebody else who's a, a big name in the business, um, then then that perhaps salvage that lineup. But um, as you say, um, Matt, it's, it's looking slightly underwhelming at the moment. And that seems to be uh, the buzzword where that whole weekend um, seems to be at this moment in time. But, you know, we're still two months away and, and, and lots can happen between now and then. Um, so let, let's hope that um, they can perhaps add one or two names to that list. Um, that can certainly um, create more ex excitement leading into uh, that Friday night Hall of Fame show. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, tweet at the show and let us know what you think of the Hall of Fame class or who would you put in the 2016 WWE Hall of Fame class. If it was up to you, you can tweet at PW underscore index on Twitter. We'll feature your comments next week on the show. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. There is one thing that will be happening WrestleMania weekend in Dallas that a lot of wrestling fans, myself included, are excited about, and that is the NXT TakeOver event, which will take place. And uh, here's a big reason why many wrestling fans are excited, because Shinsuke Nakamura has officially been announced as the newest member of the WWE roster. He will be headed to NXT. He has signed a three-year deal with WWE, according to Tokyo Sports. And according to what we're hearing, it is a short-term plan to bring him into NXT before he will be brought up to the main roster. So WWE, at least behind the scenes, have big plans for this guy somewhere on the main roster. But here's my question, Mo. If you look at the examples of Japanese talents in WWE in the past, I've got a couple of names in front of me. Hakushi, Kenzu Suzuki, Yoshitatsu, even the year-long or less run of Ultimo Dragon. What can we expect them to do with Nakamura? I mean, the best Japanese talent, I would argue, or the best run of a Japanese talent in WWE history came from ECW's Tajiri. Are they going to handle Nakamura the right way in WWE? <laughs> Given the names you've just reeled off, um, history would suggest um, they won't, um, and it will be another um, flop, another failure. Um, but I hope that things are different now and that they – book talent differently to how they traditionally have in the past. WWE has traditionally struggled to get over um, talents that have um, limited English. Um, they think that everyone needs to be able to cut promos. And certainly where Vince McMahon's concerned, if talents are weak on the, in the promo department, then he these days tends to um, uh, look down on them. And we've got a great example in Cesaro, um, is one guy who's exceptional in the ring, um, but Vince feels that uh, on the on the stick he, he just doesn't cut it, and for that reason um, we see such yo-yo booking where Cesaro is concerned, where it seems that at certain times some like Triple H um, gets his way and gets um, Cesaro some um, good exposure and he gets booked in the right way. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, um, he starts to get buried. And then um, it's turned into a glorified jobber for another two, three months. And then um, that cycle is repeated and um, he, he just gets nowhere and uh, gets very disappointed and um, almost depressed by um, uh, reading his body language. Um, certainly before he got injured, he was looking quite down, actually. Um I have high hopes for Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, compared to the likes of Hakushin, Kenzo Suzuki, he's got incredible charisma. He really is one of the most charismatic talents in the entire business today. Um, and on top of that, he's a very, very, very good worker. He can have incredible matches too. So I really hope that WWE can put aside uh, perhaps his weakness on the promo front uh, because of the language barrier and just let him... Um, do his talking in the ring. And if they allow him to do that, I have no doubt he can get over. But it's just about whether Vince will be able to put aside some of his long-held beliefs about what does and doesn't make for a good uh, superstar. And if he can do that, then Nakamura can go far. 
If he doesn't, it might only be a year or two before he's heading back to New Japan. You know, this is um, the giant conundrum that exists right now within WWE because of all of the injuries that have taken place to top stars in World Wrestling Entertainment. WWE is having to sign New Japan Pro Wrestling talent. WWE is having to go out and admit that AJ Styles is a superstar even though he hasn't spent his career in WWE. WWE has to go out and source talent from independent promotions like New Japan, Ring of Honor, TNA, and other places um, because they have no choice. And even in the face of these injuries and in the face of crisis heading into WrestleMania, while they're on their, quote, road to WrestleMania, end quote, Vince McMahon still has a hard time swallowing this pill that you can have a star and they're not a super heavyweight or look like they've been on steroids their entire life. Absolutely. Um, and that, that's what Nakamura is. Um, somebody who isn't um, of that kind of super physique uh, look. He's somebody who's tall, languid, um, gangly looking almost. Um, in terms of his look, um, he's, he's got the, the gray hair. Uh, some may say it looks a bit freaky. Um, but physique-wise, certainly... Um, not somebody that uh, would uh, strike a great impression uh, with Vince McMahon. Um, that said, as I say, bell to bell, um, there are very, very few in the entire business um, that are as good as him. And uh, I really hope that um, they, they can just put aside some of these um, long-held um, kind of uh, issues that they have with, with talents and um, – just give him a chance, and I, I'm, I'm sure that he can get over. But I think that what they need to also look at is um, how well utilized um, Paul Heyman has been as the advocate for Brock Lesnar. Brock rarely talks when he's on TV, and part of the reason for that is he's not um, a fantastic promo. And um, the reason why Brock is, is so over is, is partly because of Heyman. Heyman does all the talking for him, and he's exceptional at it. And I don't see why WWE can't do that for other talents, and Nakamura would be one. Now, traditionally, when you have people going out there talking on behalf of a wrestler, it's um, the wrestler being a heel with a cowardly-type manager or um, somebody to speak on their behalf. Um, but again, that doesn't necessarily need to be the case. He can be someone who um, is portrayed as a face and can have somebody coming out and doing the talking for him. Um, so if, if they're worried about that, then I think there's ways and means around it. Um, but the long and short of it is they, they need to give him a chance because they have one of the most exceptional talents um, um, you know, on their books now, and they have to capitalize on that. They can't just take it for granted and say, okay, well, um, you can't cut a promo, um, so let's, let's not push him. Because if that's the case, why even bring him in? Um, you know, th th this is a guy that I followed since his very first match in 2002. And admittedly, in those early years, he wasn't that great. Um, but certainly in the last five or six years and become an exceptional talent. So give him a chance, WWE. Give him a chance, Vince McMahon. And I hope that um, when he debuts NXT TakeOver Dallas on April 1st, um, he, he gets over magnificently well, and I'm absolutely sure he will. Yeah, well, I, I hope you're right on that because uh, I agree. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his work. 
the last few years, he has blossomed into an incredible performer, uh, a charismatic champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling, the likes of which some could argue that they've never seen before, especially uh, when he works heels. So um, I've got to say, I really think he could draw huge money for World Wrestling Entertainment. But again, they've got to get over this idea that you can only draw money if you live in the land of the Giants. And uh, and that remains to be seen. We'll have to see what uh, what happens. But I am excited about him facing Sami Zayn at NXT TakeOver Dallas on WrestleMania weekend, which brings up Sami Zayn for a minute because we talk about talent that are great workers but not exactly the best mic technicians in the world. Some may argue that Sami Zayn fits that mold. And rumors have it that after the NXT TakeOver event in Dallas – Sami Zayn will be departing NXT for the WWE main roster. Is Sami Zayn headed for purgatory, or are there bigger things in his future? Well, again, Sami Zayn is going to be an absolutely interesting um, example of where the WWE um, is heading, because he's somebody who is clearly valued and um, treasured by Triple H. Um, he made him uh, the NXT champion um, in the recent past, and uh, he was clearly looking to elevate him onto the main roster uh, when he brought him up around April, May of last year until he had his um, his injury, which I, I think was a shoulder injury from, from memory. And um, he came back from that um, about uh, two months ago, and he certainly, um, in the Breaking Ground series, talked very much about seeing a return to NXT is almost a backward step. Um, and, but that is what he has had to do because it looks like the WWE wanted to choose its um, um, ideal time to return him to the main roster. And it looks like after WrestleMania is when that time will come. Um, but whether he gets pushed or he gets buried uh, will, again, demonstrate exactly where the power sits. And if he gets pushed and if they do something with him, then I think that certainly suggests that we have cause to be optimistic about the WWE future. If he's brought in and four weeks down the line he's jobbing to Titus O'Neil, then I think we need to be worried because he's a, another exceptional talent in the ring and um, he's, he's not a lousy promo, but he's not a fantastic promo either. And uh, on top of that, he's not the biggest guy in the world. So if Vince looks at that and he thinks, well, He's, he's not a great talker, and he doesn't look like he can enter a bodybuilding competition. So therefore, I don't agree to him getting pushed in any way on my TV show. Then it really casts out over the entire point of NXT because so many of the talents they have in developmental are very similar to Sami Zayn. People who are good workers, but they're perhaps undersized, perhaps they're not the most charismatic, perhaps um, their promo ability is limited. Um, and there are very, very few talents in the business um, who have got everything, who can work um, from bell to bell, who can cut great promos, who've got a great look. And they're very, very few and far between. Um, there's always one missing piece of the jigsaw for 99% of talents out there. And, um, you know, if, if they keep looking to find another rock or another stone cold, um, then they could be looking for a heck of a long time. And sometimes it's best to think, okay, run, find the second stone cold, or the second rock. Let's find the first something else. Somebody who's got something completely different to offer, 
who can still get over with the audience because it's all about making money. And as we've talked about on this show in the past, the likes of um, Money Mayweather, the likes of Ronda Rousey, the likes of Conor McGregor, small um, athletes, yet they are the biggest pay-per-view draws in the world. And so it doesn't, there's no one way of looking. There's no one way of talking um, to become a superstar. And, and I just hope that at some point in time, um, WWE family um, that heads up um, creative and controls everything um, finally gets a grip uh, with, with that point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would think that um, that would have been put to bed after Chris Jericho's rise to the main event scene and the six world titles that he captured in the process because Chris Jericho obviously isn't the largest man in the world. Um, He's roughly about the same size as AJ Styles, and uh, we've seen the uh, stratospheric superstar that he became for World Wrestling Entertainment and was a huge money draw for them and continues to be a draw for them uh, whenever he comes back. So, um, all right, let's pivot and talk about the TNA UK tour. And I'm not a huge fan of TNA, as I've professed on this this show in the past, but it is worth noting that um, TNA was once again on tour in the UK, if for no other reason, because of the awesome Kong incident. Now, I want to say that a few months back, Awesome Kong was a part of a reality of wrestling show, and I had the pleasure of meeting her. And I found her to be a, a very docile and pleasant person to be around. I thought she was very, very nice uh, backstage. Uh, I've heard in the past that uh, she does have some some anger issues, and it seems like she had some uh, towards Matt Hardy's wife. What have you heard about this, Mo? Well, that's right. Um, Sounds crazy. <laughs> it does. I mean, just to fill everyone in, the reports are, and these are not fully substantiated, but the reports are that at the um, first night of the UK tour in Manchester on the uh, 29th of January, um, the two of them had some kind of physical altercation backstage in the dressing room, which resulted in um, Amazing Kong, sorry, Awesome Kong, um, trying to choke or strangle uh, Reby Sky whilst um, Reby and Matt's uh, baby was present, which is an incredible <laughs> incident, really, when you think about it. Um, but th- this is something that has been reported by several people who were at the show. And um, certainly WW, sorry, TNA's um, head of talent relations, uh, Big John Gaburik, came out and tweeted that um, certainly there had been an incident at that um, Orson Kong had been um, sent back to the U.S., so at this moment in time, at the time of recording, um, nothing further has been announced about the future of Awesome Kong, but um, that certainly sounds like a very ugly incident, and um, I'm not sure exactly why uh, Awesome Kong felt the need to um, physically uh, assault Rebby Sky in this way. Maybe they've got some heat from the past before TNA. Maybe it's things that have happened. Um, I don't know, and I'm not going to speculate. But um, that, that's certainly um, quite a sad kind of thing to hear about because, uh, you know, I have a lot of time for Awesome Kong. Um, she's somebody who I had extremely high hopes of when she uh, joined the WWE several years ago. Didn't work out for her there. And um, in, in both TNA and also in Japan, she's been one of the better uh, female wrestlers of the last 10 years. And uh, it looks like her future in TNA is certainly in jeopardy. 
and that, that's a shame. She's an exceptional talent, and um, to see her gone from TNA and the fact that she's very unlikely to be taken back into the WWE means she's almost out in the wilderness. Um, but uh, that, that was certainly a, a strange story that turned up a week ago. Well, and this is uh, not the first time that uh, she's been involved in an incident quite like this. As a matter of fact, uh, a few years ago, I think this was back in 2010, she apparently attacked Bubba the Love Sponge, a shock jock radio DJ in Florida who happens to be friends with Hulk Hogan backstage at a TNA event as well because apparently at the time, uh, shortly after the, the historic earthquake which took place in Haiti, Bubba the Love Sponge went on Twitter and said something to the effect of, fuck Haiti. And uh, as it turns out, uh, Awesome Kong was in the process of raising money and fundraising for um, uh, Haitian victims of the earthquake. So according to Bubba the Love Sponge, I have actually the exact quote in front of me here. He said she was wearing wrestling gear and she came on to me and sucker punched me right in the face. I asked what's going on here, and she hit him in the mouth again while screaming, this is for Haiti, <laughs> this is for Haiti. <laughs> so apparently this woman has two sides. I'd like to remain on her good side, but, uh, man, if you cross her, she might just uh, beat your ass. Absolutely. You wouldn't want to bump into Dark Alley when she's in a bad mood or got PMT. Um, goodness. Uh, yeah, I mean, on that particular um, situation. I absolutely uh, fully endorse her, her actions. Bubba the Love Sponge is a, is a, a vile, cretinous human being. Um, so I have um, my I have full support for her in, in terms of attacking that uh, low life. Well, that's my own opinion. <laughs> well, no, he is kind of a slap dick. I mean, let's be honest. Um, well, hey, listen, one other thing real quick on TNA before we move on. Um, so TNA's cable rating here in the U.S. this week was number 129 out of 150, drawing under 300,000 viewers. Uh, and this is with their main event being Matt Hardy versus Kurt Angle uh, for the TNA Heavyweight Championship. One thing uh, I want to say very quickly on this, uh, we I guess we both want to talk about this, is, is Kurt Angle recently, as, as you stated before we started the show uh, tonight, uh, worked what was presumably his last match for TNA against Bobby Lashley on January the 31st. So that's been taped for, um, I think, March, I believe. Yes. And uh, and that'll be it for Kurt Angle, uh, at least in total nonstop action. Uh, he's also gone on the record as saying that uh, he wants to take some time off from wrestling before he decides what he wants to do. If anything, uh, perhaps this is the end for Kurt Angle altogether. We don't know. Uh, he's had a lot of uh, injuries over the years, several neck surgeries, and it has been one hell of a career for Kurt Angle when you consider what he accomplished in his short time in WWE. And I believe he's been in TNA now, Mo, for over 11 years, which is incredible. I didn't even know TNA was in business that long. Um, <laughs> so if this is it for Kurt Angle, and we reflect back on his career and what he has accomplished in the business. I mean, what is it that we can say Kurt Angle's impact was on the sport of professional wrestling? Kurt Angle was just an incredible talent, a machine, one of the very, very best wrestlers in the business at his peak. Um, it was a shame that his career actually um, ended in the way it did in WWE, but Vince got rid of him because he thought this guy – is going to unfortunately follow in the steps of um, Eddie Guerrero, 
And that's, that's truthfully why he got rid of him, because he thought this guy is going to self-destruct. Um, we've had several near misses with this guy. Um, he just keeps going. Um, he, he's just not listening to anyone. We keep trying to advise him what to do to try and sort his life out. And um, he, he just was not listening. And WWE felt that the last thing they needed was a situation where one of their top stars um, drops dead in a hotel. And that's what they honestly felt at that time because, um, you know, there were several near misses that were not widely reported. Um, when it came to Kurt Angle in his health, he was collapsing, um, um, you know, at, at shows and um, after shows in hotels and things like that. It was a really, really um, scary time for the WWE because they just didn't know what would happen with Kurt Angle from one day to the next. Um and then TNA decided to uh, take a risk and bring him in. And um, uh, in credit, you know, to give credit to TNA, um, whilst he's been there, certainly his health has um, improved significantly. Um, he's become more mature and um, mellowed out somewhat. Um, but you know, don't take anything away from him. When he was in the WWE, he was arguably at any time from about 2000 onwards one of the top three talents in the company when it came to in-ring matches from bell to bell. He was absolutely incredible. And, you know, you and I can both remember so many great matches he had yeah. uh, with so many different talents in the WWE. His, his, I mean, Mo, his work with Chris Benoit is some of the greatest wrestling that you'll ever see. And oh, for, God, our, yeah. for our listeners that, that may not be that familiar, for our younger listeners, especially if Brad Gilmore's listening, <laughs> just, <laughs> just just kidding, Brad. Um, his, his work with Chris Benoit was um, something very, very special. Uh, so go back, find it on the network, uh, and, and appreciate it for, for what it is, regardless of, of what Chris Benoit did uh, in his personal life, which was absolutely despicable in terms of being a professional wrestler. He was one of the greatest who ever lived. And when you got those two together, two absolute machines, two wrestling engines and fine-tuned engines they were, uh, that was some great stuff. And, of course, his memorable confrontation with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania as well. Um, Kurt Angle, I mean, just and, – and you think about it. I mean, for WWE at that time, you're, you're, you're so right. I mean, uh, you know, Jim Ross always used the phrase battling demons. It was never more true than what was going on in Kurt Angle's personal life during that period of time. But that was a major coup for TNA, especially at that point uh, in their life to bring in as, – as a company to bring in Kurt Angle. Uh, the way they did. I mean, that was a that was a huge knock on the door for wrestling fans at that point. The TNA was really serious about challenging WWE at that time when they brought in Kurt Angle. Absolutely, they were certainly on the ascension. They were about to um, take over WWE's former spot on. Uh, I think it was Spike TV at the time. We might have come in slightly before then, um, but certainly he was quite an important person to have when it came to opening the door um, that led to their lucrative deal with Spike TV, which um, in, in due time um, led to their peak um, um, peak years in terms of popularity and success. And uh, Kurt Angle was very instrumental in helping TNA achieve that. And some of his early stuff for T with TNA in particular, especially his programming Samoa Joe, um, was arguably the, the pinnacle of, of TNA. Um, absolutely fantastic stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's all come to an end. He had his final match. Um, 
just a short um, distance away from where I live, over in Birmingham here in the UK. And um, that was this past Sunday. And uh, that's it. I mean, he's, he's gone from TNA. And all, I, all I'd like to say um, in closing where, where Kurt's concern is, I'd love to see him back in the WWE. Um, he's still a very, very good talent. I mean, he's certainly past his prime. But in the ring, he's still a very, very good worker. And I'd like to see him perhaps um, do one or two more years as a part-timer, uh, putting over some of the younger talents and uh, eventually um, having his moment in the WWE Hall of Fame. And he'd be deserving of it because he has been a fantastic talent uh, for close to 20 years now. So um, you know, Kurt, Kurt's almost, almost a one-off. He's a real machine and, and a credit to the business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know that schedule has been part of the issue over the years, which has, I think, prevented him from coming back to WWE. Uh, I know a lot of people have speculated about whether or not there's some backstage heat between he and Triple H. Uh, I don't know whether there's any truth to that at all. Um, I think, um, I mean, listen, Vince McMahon uh, produced a skit uh, in which Eric Bischoff, the man who tried to put him and his family out of business, produced a skit in which Eric Bischoff and his his only daughter, Stephanie McMahon, made out. Okay, so if he's going to do that, uh, they'll bring back Kurt Angle uh, if there's business to be done here. But at 47 years of age, um, and with all of the surgeries he's been through and, and, and every injury that he has sustained in his career, uh, and especially with what we saw from Sting in this last year and the injury that he sustained in that match with Seth Rollins, I don't know whether or not there will be a future, even short-term, in WWE for Kurt Angle. I think this may very well be it. Uh, even if it is, I still think he deserves a place in the WWE Hall of Fame uh, sometime down the road because he was one of its greatest talents, and there's no doubt about it at all. Well, uh, let's turn the page and talk about WWE Raw from this past week. Just want to review uh, a, a few brief points about the show because we have so much uh, else to cover. First of all, in terms of a letter grade for the show, I got to give it a D. Did not feel it whatsoever, and neither did the crowd. Uh, the show opened up with Lesnar and Ambrose, which I actually liked. We didn't get an authority promo uh, for once, which wasn't bad. Uh, and I like that. They're teasing Dean Ambrose to be a little bit more in this story than just the fall guy to protect Brock and to get Roman over. Uh, but will WWE hop on this opportunity that they have right now, which is a red-hot, organic babyface, which is the complete antithesis of what they have in Roman Reigns? I'm not sure whether that whether or not that will happen. Um, we also got Miz TV with AJ Styles, which I thought was pretty good. Brie Bella versus Charlotte, which I thought was awful. Uh, the Big Show defeated Eric Rowan, which made no sense to me at all, other than to set up a terrible match between him and the giant tree known as Braun Strowman. Uh, Owens went over, or I'm sorry, Ziggler went over on Owens. Didn't understand that at all. And uh, we got some main event garbage, which led to uh, Brock Lesnar F5-ing Ambrose at the end with little to no reaction. Uh, probably the most least impactful moment for Brock Lesnar since returning to WWE. <clears throat> for me, the highlight of the night really was AJ Styles in the midst. Uh, what say you about what we saw on Monday Night Raw? Yeah, I thought it was a fairly uneventful show, really. And goodness, I mean, we're only eight weeks away or less from WrestleMania, the biggest show of the year. We're into WrestleMania season, damn it. And 
you know, they serve up this. I mean, come on. The, the, I just don't see any urgency from the WWE. It's almost as if they take everything for granted now that, well, you know, we've got our 1 million plus subscribers. Our revenues are going to be at record levels. It, it seems to it seems to work as a business model. Why even try? Why even bother? Um, let's just churn out um, safe, um, pasteurized, kind of predictable uh, crap. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, you you take the words right out of my mouth. Predictable crap. And as I've said before, predictable doesn't mean that um, that it has to be bad. But but if you're going to tell a story that everybody knows what the ending is going to be to the story, like for example, uh, next month here in the states, I'm sure probably in the UK as well, Batman versus Superman is going to come out. I'm a comic book nerd. I can't wait for this movie. But I know that when this movie is over, they're headed to a Justice League movie, which means Batman's not going to kill Superman, and Superman's not going to kill Batman. So we know that there's going to be this kumbaya moment at the end of this film. So what comes in the middle of the film better be good. It better be a good story. Just like we know that Triple H and Roman Reigns will be facing each other in the main event of WrestleMania. And we've known it for months. So if that's the case... At least make the story in the middle mean something. Make it interesting. Make it compelling. I am not the least bit emotionally invested in the main event of WrestleMania as it stands right now, which is why it so desperately needs the injection of Dean Ambrose. But WWE's not brave enough to do that. They're not brave enough to do it. And they will use the excuse that by making a change now, it would be reactionary booking, which is funny because they've been majoring in reactionary booking for months. And some people can argue that the reason for that is because of all the injuries that have been sustained in WWE. However, that wouldn't be affecting the roster nearly as much if WWE spent the time necessary to build up its mid-card to main eventers and to build up its enhancement talent to the mid-card. They haven't done that. They haven't done it in a very long time. No, that's right. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. That's the thing with WWE is that um, once they have their chosen one, then they think that no matter what, no matter how anti the WWE universe is against who our chosen one is, we will absolutely insist on ramming that individual down at everyone's throats. And it's clear as day that they're leading to Triple H versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Even you don't even have to read anything on the internet to see that that's where they're heading. And yet, as you say, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be a breath of fresh air to see them inject um, Ambrose into that main event picture and to surprise everyone and have Ambrose either as part of a triple threat or even Ambrose against Triple H um, in that main event match? And um, that that would just be the kind of refreshing unpredictability that would inject some life into what has become such a stale, dead, and uninteresting product. And uh, the, the chances are that's not going to happen. And that, that's the saddest thing of all, that we can all see where this is heading. And, um, you know, it'd be nice for once, for once, for them to uh, surprise us. But I just don't see it happening. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing, is that... Um you know, on a future show, I, I want to take a look at what I call the Roman Reigns problem. 
And it's a bigger problem than Roman Reigns. But right now, Roman Reigns, in my opinion, represents the problem. And the problem is this. WWE, at some point in the last 15 years, has developed this petrifying fear of organic stars. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if they're afraid that if a star is born without them getting the star over first in their own vision, that that person will leave WWE at any time the way The Rock left WWE. I'm not sure if I'm on to something here or if that's just me speculating. But I don't understand why, when you have a white-hot, red-hot, organic babyface like Dean Ambrose that you've been teasing, to take the next step for years. They teased it with him when he was in that feud with Seth Rollins. He Remember he got that victory over Seth Rollins for the title, and then the decisions reversed. They teased the big moment again when it's Dean Ambrose versus Triple H, the final two guys in the Royal Rumble. Yep. Triple H is hanging on for dear life before he gets thrown over to the cliff hangs on, is able to win the Rumble. Again, disappointment from everybody, not nearly as much if Roman had won, however, which is interesting that they had to go with that booking decision because they knew Roman winning the Rumble again would be received the same way it was received in the year prior. So in 12 months, even though you've done everything that you can to put the rocket booster on this guy, you've taken the 70-year-old owner of the company You've put him back on television so that he can take Superman punches to the face and take bumps for Roman Reigns to get him over because somehow abusing a senior citizen is going to get over your top baby face. Mm. Um, and even doing all of these bizarre and chaotic things to booking to put this guy on top, he still doesn't get half the reaction as a face that Dean Ambrose does. I don't understand why they won't make the switch, why they won't make the decision. They look at this guy and they say, I, I'm assuming they look at they look at Roman Reigns and they say, this is the, this is the prototype. This is the guy. And we're going to go with this guy because we can make money with him. But every time he comes out, he's being booed out of the building. He's booed out of the building at the Royal Rumble. He's booed out of the building at other big events. And when he's not being booed out of the building, most of the time, especially on Monday Night Raw, He's being received by crickets. I just don't understand what WWE's problem is, what their fear of organic stars is born from. I really don't get it. No, I don't either. It's just um, the most strangest thing, um, not just in the WWE, not just in wrestling, but in all of entertainment. I mean, you can, you can look at companies like UFC, for example, who don't have the luxury of being able to manipulate outcomes of, of fights um, or contests in the way the WWE does. So there are a severe disadvantage in that regard. They can put somebody like Ronda Rousey out there, market her as much as, 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 much as their marketing budget will allow, but ultimately if she loses fight after fight, that star power will wane considerably. And um, nonetheless, they've turned Rousey and McGregor in the last 12 to 18 months into megastars. And these two are people that uh, UFC didn't necessarily uh, pinpoint from day one as uh, being their future stars of the company. But when they started to get over, when they started to create this interest, interest that transcended UFC and the MMA fan base, they've absolutely maximized that and took full advantage of it. WWE, in contrast, 
when somebody starts to get over in that way, just shoots that person down and buries them. And we've seen that over and over and over again. And it's just the most bizarre thing that they're actually costing themselves millions upon millions upon millions um, just to try and prove a point that we know what's best. And if you don't like it, then tough. We'll do whatever we like because we're smarter than you. And that, if that's not arrogance, then I don't know what is. Well, and it's really frustrating for fans, and I and I understand why fans are so frustrated. And I understand why there's such a lack of enthusiasm going into uh, what they continue to claim is going to be their biggest WrestleMania of all time. If what they mean by it being their biggest WrestleMania of all time is that they're trying to sell the most tickets, then yes, I would agree. But whether or not they're going to sell those tickets, all 100,000 of them, is another matter entirely. And the fact remains right now as it stands, if you were to stack up the proposed or rumored WrestleMania 32 card against that NXT TakeOver event that will be happening on the same weekend, I'm sorry, but once again, NXT wins. And, oh, it's uh, not even a, it's not even a competition. It's not even close. I mean, a number of the matches from that NXT show have been announced, and perhaps we can go into a bit more detail about that in a, an upcoming episode. But, um, yeah, if you compare that to some of the matches that are rumored for WrestleMania, um, or even the one or two that we're almost certain will happen, it really, really is um, a massive gulf. Um, in terms of what's a more exciting lineup. And it shouldn't be that way. I mean, this is going to be a show that should attract around or over 100,000 fans, a world record crowd for a wrestling show, with the exception of, I think, the 1995 event that took place in North Korea, where people were most forced to attend the show um, by the North Korean government. And um, yeah, despite that... Well, despite maybe, maybe, maybe Vince should run WrestleMania there. <laughs> <laughs> there we go 200,000 otherwise you will die so uh, that that would be something but uh, yeah it, it just absolutely boggles the mind that you know they're leading up to what they are you know talking about as the biggest show ever and there's less excitement less interest in this for, of any WrestleMania I can ever ever recall now they still have time as I said earlier to turn things around and really build up the excitement. But I just don't see where it's coming from. You know, the thing that, well, I don't see where it's coming from either. The thing that really bothers me too is I can already see the counter argument to this when it, when it comes to comparing these two shows. And that is, well, the NXT TakeOver event is geared more towards the hardcore wrestling fans or the smart wrestling fan, the smart marks, if you will. The people that really follow the business, you know, you and I and the people that listen to this show, and friends of ours who are plugged into the wrestling community and, and read the dirt sheets and all those things. And, and they're always looked down upon. You know, they're always looked down. How, how dare these people pay, pay to sit uh, in an arena and then try and hijack a show, which is another thing I loved. I, I thought that uh, WWE <laughs> was, I thought WWE was asking for audience participation. Oh, but if you're not participating exactly the way they want you to, then you're hijacking the show. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. There are people that are going to counter this and they're going to say, well, WrestleMania is an event that appeals to a broader audience. And because of that, you have to have these matches like 
Braun Strowman versus The Undertaker, where you have two giants, one who's very recognizable, and that will draw a huge number of people from all different backgrounds of interest for wrestling, even somebody that maybe has never seen wrestling before. And I say to that bullshit, and I'll tell you why, because I have been to WrestleMania before, and people come to WrestleMania from all parts of the world for this. It is a global entertainment phenomenon and people fly from every corner of the planet for it because they are the hardcore of hardcore wrestling fans so they're going to be there anyway why not give them the red meat they're looking for especially if you consider the fact that john cena is probably not going to work this wrestlemania randy orton is definitely not going to work this wrestlemania seth rollins is not going to work this wrestlemania sting is 99 percent sure not going to be working ever again as well as many other major talents that are out with injury from what i understand sheamus now has a broken wrist as well the list goes goes on and on of main event guys that will not be available. WWE has had weeks. They have had months to take advantage of this opportunity in the way that they did 10, 15, and 20 years ago when their top stars were injured and build new stars, which is exactly what your audience is looking for, especially the hardcore wrestling fans who will be flying from all corners of the planet for this event. So I think it's a poor excuse. I think it's it, it's lazy booking. I think it's lazy planning and it's as you stated WWE saying, "You know what? We've got our network. Screw the ratings. Screw what other people say. We're going to give them exactly what we want them to see, nothing more and nothing less." And I think if they go into WrestleMania with that attitude, they are going to be sorely disappointed. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> yeah. Quite the speech, but absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, it, it's just an insult to all the millions and millions of fans all around the world that you know invest themselves emotionally in their product, and it's just a slap in the face. Whether they like to call certain types of fans as smart marks or casual fans or mainstream audience, um, every single type of fan you can think of, I can't imagine anyone being interested in or intrigued by Braun Strowman versus The Undertaker. And yet all the signs are that that's exactly where that match will be heading. I mean, Undertaker is synonymous with WrestleMania. That will be one of the big matches on uh, on the card for WrestleMania. And if that's what we're going to be getting, God help us. You know, and, and again, Vince, Vince can say that he's doing this because he wants to build a star in Braun Strowman. But there are other guys on this roster if you want to build a star, yeah. there are other guys that you can use where you can really build a star. Somebody who has the ability to put on a match that is better than what we've seen from the giant Gonzalez. Because that's what you'll be getting with Braun Strowman versus The Undertaker. We've seen it before at WrestleMania 9. We don't need to see it at WrestleMania 32. Absolutely. Yeah, if this was... If this was the 80s, if this was the early 90s, Braun Strowman would be a megastar. But the world has moved on since then. The days of guys being able to walk out there, look menacing, look like they're roided to the, the gills, and slap on 10-minute bear hugs, those days are well and truly over. And 
fans are just going to shit all over that if that's what's going to happen. And unfortunately, the likelihood is that exact that is exactly what will happen because that's almost what Braun Strowman's moveset is limited to. I mean, we're not going to be seeing athleticism. We're not going to be seeing um, top rope maneuvers. We're not going to be seeing amazing moves out of Braun Strowman. He's green as grass, and um, he barely deserves a spot on the roster. But because of his size and because of his look, obviously a certain individual feels that he belongs not only on the roster but deserves a prominent spot where main event talents bump all over the shop for him. Um, and that, that increasingly suggests that um, the top guy in the WWE is completely out of touch with his audience. Um, and until he either gets um, a grip of reality or something else happens, then unfortunately we might just have to put up with Braun and, and others like him. Let's move on and talk about a couple of um, couple of other quick pieces of news and information before we get to our Twitter questions. Um, uh, the first thing that I saw was a CM Punk awkwardly ended an interview uh, recently regarding his future. Uh, he's, uh, he was asked uh, about WWE, and he said, quote, I don't feel like fielding any questions about WWE. I've been there. I've done that. I've accomplished everything I was going to. Uh, he was also asked um, whether he was intimidated or not to be going from pro wrestling to MMA. Punk said that he gets this question a lot and that uh, guys who ask him that question must think that he's an idiot. He said, like, I don't know MMA wasn't predetermined or something like that. Have you ever tweeted at me, hey, do you know what you're getting into, question mark, end quote. Uh, Punk went on to end the interview very abruptly, basically went off on this guy who interviewed him. Uh, this was uh, Kevin Wong of Complex Magazine, by the way, which uh, I believe is an MMA publication. So. Um, First of all, we have no idea still when CM Punk will actually step into the octagon for the first time, if at all. I mean, what has gotten into this guy? And, and, and what, what are your thoughts and opinions regarding CM Punk and how he's handled this whole transition from WWE to the UFC, where right now, as it still stands, he's simply a sideshow act for Dana White? CM Punk, in my estimation has really, really fallen um, as an individual to respect. Um, he had the utmost respect from not only myself, but so many wrestling fans all around the world. As somebody who stood up to um, that kind of corporate stubbornness about uh, how a, a talent is supposed to look and how they're supposed to talk and how they um, are supposed to perform. Um, and his um, famous promo from a few years ago, um, the pipe bomb, as he referred to it as, um, has become legendary. And that's what helped to propel him um, into main event status. And um, kicking and screaming, WWE had to accept it. And he was exceptional as a top uh, main event talent in the WWE and was a WWE champion uh, for over a year. Um, but that guy has been replaced by somebody who's become deluded and somebody who really, really shows a complete disregard for a company and a business that made him a millionaire and created an opportunity for him to come into UFC without ever having competed in MMA in the first place. If I was CM Punk, I'd forever be grateful for the WWE and the wrestling business 
for creating the opportunity to come into UFC in the way he has. And yet at every single opportunity, he snaps and he gets moody with people whenever they even dare to mention WWE or the wrestling business. Especially on so, Twitter. He acts like a petulant child. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, God. Um, but that that's actually CM Punk. I mean, even before he became a, a big star in the WWE, um, he, he was he was very much of that type of nature, and uh, that's why um, he he had fairly few friends in the business because um, he, he was that cocky guy um, who rubbed people up the wrong way. Um, I I don't think he's got any real future in the in, in UFC. I thought that um, it was a silly move for him to go into UFC in the first place. You talked about it being something that's almost like a bucket list thing to do. If he had any future in the UFC, he already would have had a couple of fights by now. And um, the fact he's coming up to, what, 18 months, maybe closing on two years um, since he started training to come into UFC, because bear in mind, before he was actually announced by UFC, he'd already been training in MMA um, going back years, but more seriously, almost full-time, was training for several months um, before his announcement. Um, that seems to suggest that coming up to 39 years of age, he might get one or two fights out of UFC before people realize he doesn't belong. And at that point, if you want to fight in uh, no-name indie MMA promotions uh, for a 1000 bucks, um, then go ahead, CM Punk. But if, if that's not the case, then chances are he'll come back with his tail between his legs, uh, asking for a job, and uh, we will see if he will see if he gets one yeah you know i think um i think cm punk is is regretting quietly to himself the way that he handled the entire situation with wwe um if you needed time to get away uh even if even if you wanted to walk away from the company and say you know what i'm as steve austin once did i'm going to take my ball and i'm going to go home uh there would always be a place for you once again there where you could earn a living um, and continue to uh, to do right by your name. I think he made a, a giant mistake the way he handled that entire situation, and uh, and may have burned a, a, a huge bridge that he cannot repair. And I think he that's realizes true. that quietly to himself. And I think that's where a lot of the bitterness comes from. To be perfectly honest. Well, that's right. And bear in mind the uh, lawsuit he has with the WWE doctor. I think still remains to be settled, um, and I think it will go to court perhaps later this year. And, um, you know, he came out with some very, very bold um, statements and accusations. And uh, the word is is that um, WWE is very confident that they will shoot all of those down. And um, if that's the case, then um, it will damage his credibility or what's left of it even further. Um, so CM Punk is somebody who, as I said, highly respected within the wrestling business and amongst wrestling fans worldwide um, up until a couple of years ago. But ever since then, he's just been embarrassing himself at every turn. Um, so I look forward to the day that he embarrasses himself further in UFC and uh, at one point or another, he will be told to uh, um, get packing and get out of UFC because all the indications are he's, he's not cut out to be a UFC fighter. Well, there was a time when CM Punk offered a, a different vision for WWE, an exciting um, vision for the future of, of what could happen in the main event scene in World Wrestling Entertainment. There's another guy right now that's doing the same thing, and that's AJ Styles. And uh, AJ Styles 
was in that Miz segment on Monday night. He faced the Miz on SmackDown uh, this past week, which I believe um, uh, you will be able to see uh, tonight or tomorrow night, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Um, and uh, Chris Jericho was on commentary for this, cut a promo, uh, which is going to lead to uh, another match between the two of them. I'm sure uh, they'll have a match at Fastlane, and uh, maybe they'll even drag this thing out to WrestleMania. But uh, the big question is, will WWE do right by AJ Styles? Will this guy, in your opinion, Mo, fill the Daniel Bryan void? Well, I think they can, and I think they will, but that's not necessarily a good thing. Um, if you look at Daniel Bryan, um, he was somebody who the WWE desperately didn't want to succeed. As we talked about earlier, he was a guy that um, organically rose to prominence and became arguably the most over-talent in the WWE. And there's every opportunity, there's every chance that AJ Styles can follow in those footsteps and become equally as over. He's an exceptional talent, and um, I think that certainly at WrestleMania weekend, we'll, we'll see that in evidence. Um, he'll be very, very over with the WrestleMania crowd, uh, depending on which match he's in. Um, but will the WWE ever really get behind him? Well, there's been one or two little clues, one or two little suggestions in terms of comments from commentators or from uh, like Miz that suggest to me that actually the whole size thing again could work against him. Bear in mind the guy is about five foot seven, five foot eight. He's not the top, the biggest guy in the world. And uh, if Vince had decided this guy is too small for me to build my company around, then that's, that's certainly quite an ominous thing. And that would be a real shame again, because as we talked about with Nakamura earlier on, AJ Styles is an exceptional, exceptional talent. And the kind of disappointing thing for me is, is that um, certainly um, on the first couple of weeks of TV, um, they've not really allowed him to show himself um, in all his glory. He's, he's somebody who, with the right opponents, could already have had uh, two or three four-star matches on Raw and SmackDown, uh, but we haven't really seen that. He's uh, made the... Yeah, worked uh, Curtis Axel, I think, last week. Now, they did have him work with Jericho, but, um, you know, it it, it was a good match. It wasn't a great match, uh, which is why I want to see them them work together again. Uh, And then, you know, probably a fast lane as well, because I think that um, there's a lot of untapped potential between the two of them. I mean, I I hope that WWE does right by this guy and sees the potential that they have here. I mean, I know... Uh, it's well documented the powers behind the scenes that worked against Daniel Bryan. And it just got to the point where WWE, as you stated, couldn't ignore it anymore. And, uh, and I think that could, the same could be true of AJ Styles, especially if Daniel Bryan doesn't return. And I don't think that he will. I don't think that Daniel Bryan will be cleared for active competition in WWE again. And I think they're going to make him sit on the shelf and sit out his contract, what remains of it, which I think is over two years. But if WWE is not going to use the guy, then cut him loose and let him make his own decision. Um, but they'd rather pay him than have him show up working in New Japan, working at Ring of Honor, working in indie booking, especially on WrestleMania weekend. That's the last thing that WWE wants to have happen with Daniel Bryan. And one of the big reasons why is because they see the value in Daniel Bryan. So they'll see the value in Daniel Bryan behind the scenes, but they won't admit it publicly. 
Um, I also think it's just bad timing with the lawsuit that exists right now um, from some of the families of former talents in WWE. And uh, you can argue whether that, that lawsuit is, is really legitimate or not when you consider some of the talents that have been named in the lawsuit. Um, but um, nevertheless, bad timing for Daniel Bryan, but maybe a huge opportunity for AJ Styles in WWE uh, as a result of him being here now and Daniel Bryan not being here. With that being said, my friend, we have a lot of great Twitter questions. So I want to get to them this week, and I want to thank everybody for participating. And again, you can tweet comments and suggestions and questions to the show at PW underscore index on Twitter. Our first comes from Pratik Gupta at PratG63 on Twitter. He says, hello, listener from India. And my question is, what's next for the tag team titles? The New Day need opponents, your opinions. It's a good question, Pratik. Uh, what do you think about this, Mo? I mean, we have seen the New Day, and we have seen the Usos go back and forth with each other. Not much more room going on in the tag team division. If they put these titles on the Usos, I don't think WWE is going to get the desired reaction they're looking for. Who can they bring in to uh, inject a little bit of blood, new blood, into this uh, this tag team division? They need to be looking at NXT. Um, this. A number of great tag teams there who are all absolutely chomping at the bit to be called up to the main roster. And these are tag teams that can step up to the main roster and um, absolutely hold, hold their own. I mean, you've got the likes of Jordan and Gable. You've got Dash and Wilder. Uh, you've got Enzo Amore and Cass, um, Big Cass as well. And, um, you know, you've got one or two other teams as well that are more than ready to step up and certainly make the tag team division interesting. The tag team division, as we talked about last week or the week before um, on NXT, is, is certainly uh, buzzing right now. It's got great depth. And the same can't be said of the WWE tag team division that has certainly suffered um, due to the same um, teams being on top for too long and lack of kind of uh, changeover in terms of um, the talents in, in terms of the spots on the, the pecking order rather um, within the tag team roster. You know, it's it's sort of like if you look at Liverpool's issues uh, right now when it comes to scoring goals, we don't really have anybody who's a goal scorer. Imagine if we had several different talents in the academy right now that were bagging goals left and right and Liverpool would not call any of them up people would be going absolutely crazy. Here it is. Same issue with WWE. Other than New Day, you have nobody in the tag team division right now that's getting anybody excited about the tag team division. New Day inadvertently have swallowed the tag team division like a giant black hole. And meanwhile, in NXT, it's arguably the deepest and most talented tag team division that WWE has had in decades. And none of these guys are being called up, especially Cass and Enzo Amore. I have no idea why they're not on the main roster. But WWE needs to pull the trigger on one or several of these teams, and they got to do it soon. Uh, next question comes from Shane at Shane2901 on Twitter. He says, would love to see a Shield reunion. Would it ever happen? I think there's no doubt this would happen because there'd be major money in it. Mo, I think you would agree with that. So if this were to happen sometime in the future, how would you envision it happening at WWE? I think if it happens, it would have to be with the three of them as baby faces. Um, Reigns is clearly being pushed as a baby face. 
Ambrose is certainly way over as a baby face. And the only one that's left then is Seth Rollins. And certainly there was storyline movement from last year, which seems to suggest that there was tension between he and the authority. And clearly the authority for, will be remaining his heels for the foreseeable future. So the direction that seemed to be heading in was very much of Seth Rollins becoming a babyface too. And if they want to continue where they left off for that, then at some point this year when Rollins returns, um, it might be him as a babyface. And that if he feuds with the authority, what better than to bring in um, his old chums from uh, the Shield and a reunion with the three of those coming together, perhaps at SummerSlam, maybe at the Survivor Series against um, Triple H and a couple of his chosen ones. And um, that would certainly be what would be best, best for business. Next question comes from Guy Drinkle at Guy Drinkle. Thanks for your question, Guy. I love the uh, handle, by the way. Um, does the build-up to WrestleMania seem very rushed this year. He says a lot of matches to build in a couple of months. I, I, I don't know if I would say rushed as much as I would say disjointed or even disheveled. Um, WWE not exactly sure what it is they're doing uh, between reacting to, uh, to injuries and having to plug holes and then just continuing to book the product in a very poor way. Uh, what do you think about this? Does it seem rushed to you, Mo? Uh, no, it doesn't. There seems to be no build-up for WrestleMania whatsoever at this moment in time. Oh. Um, you know, they've got Fast Lane coming up, and I remember the show's name correctly this week. Uh, Fast Lane's coming up, and uh, that's only a couple of weeks away or less, and yet um, we've got a couple of matches announced for that show. And um, beyond that, we only know that the winner of the main event from Fast Lane will take on uh, Triple H for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Beyond that, what has been announced for WrestleMania? Nothing. So what it means is that after Fastlane, I think they will have to rush because they'll probably have to get eight or nine shows, um, uh, sorry, eight or nine matches, including the pre, pre-show match, um, announced in the space of about um, five or six weeks. And yep. um, that doesn't allow a great deal of time for those matches uh, to build up and really heat up um, from a storyline perspective. And um, I think the, the ideal thing is to get the February um, pay-per-view or special show um, out of the way earlier in February to then allow a good six to eight weeks um, purely to hype up and build up WrestleMania, and, and they'll have less time um, uh, uh, this year, uh, which is, is not ideal. So uh, in terms of rushing, I don't think they've started that rush, but certainly after Fastlane, they will have to rush. Yeah, and you bring up the pre-show, which is going to be a huge issue for them if Wade Barrett's not healthy enough to work it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the king of the pre-show, Wade Barrett. Uh, well, hey, listen, big news for fans of Lucha Underground. Uh, I'm certainly happy about this. There will be no speculation, conjecture, because there will be a third season. Lucha Underground has been greenlit for a third season, and that is great news for everybody. A uh, good friend of mine, Chris Najdek, sent this um, this question in, and you can follow him at Chris underscore Najdek on Twitter. He said, Lucha Underground, to me, is the freshest version of pro wrestling in years. 
There's a cinematic feel to it that allows for the silly nature of some of the angles. It's the closest to feeling like a kid again, having a Saturday morning feel to it, if you will. What do you think of Lucha Underground, Mo, and what we've seen so far here in uh, in Season 2? I've been very impressed. Um, as long-time listeners of this podcast might recall, um, I've talked about Lucha Underground in the past, and I've talked about it being perhaps my favorite wrestling show um, in the business uh, last year um, for season one. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Some exceptional talents, lots of people that um, can easily transition into WWE and more than hold their own. And um, it's great to see season two return with a bang. I thought the opening episode last week was exceptional. Um, As you said earlier, um, the cinematic feel, the production values, very, very different to anything else you'll see in the wrestling business, and certainly from the WWE. And it really gives a really cool vibe to um, um, their product. And um, whilst this week's episode, episode two, uh, wasn't um, anything to write home about, um, it introduced us to um, a couple of new characters in PJ Black, the former Justin Gabriel, and also uh, we saw Rey Mysterio debut at last. Yes. And the way in which he debuted at the end of um, the episode was really, really good. And, yeah. uh, you know, certainly sets things up nicely for the coming weeks. So um, for those of you who don't have access to the El Rey Network, especially those in the UK, um, there are many ways in which you can track the show down. And I strongly urge you to, because if you're seeking an alternative to the WWE, there's no better at this moment in time than Neutral Underground. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, loved season one. Very excited about season two. Loved how they debuted Rey Mysterio uh, at the end of the show. It had a very special feel to it. Made Rey Mysterio feel like a superstar again, which is something that WWE had done uh, for a very long time as he was struggling to get out of his contract there. In addition to that, I've, I've got to say, there's something about Lucha Underground that's very, very special to me from a standpoint that... There are different rules that apply for Lucha Underground. You know, Jim Cornette said some things the other day. I'm not sure if you saw this or not. There's some disparaging remarks he had for, for Lucha Underground, sort of flying off the handle because he's saying, well, it's exposing the wrestling business. It's destroying wrestling. But it's not a wrestling promotion. It's a television show that features pro wrestling. And that's Absolutely. the difference because, I mean, there are guys on this show that are literally being eaten alive and murdered by other characters. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is this is something different uh, I- entirely. But I, I love what's going on here. It, it breathes new life into pro wrestling. And it says, listen, you can still be imaginative with the product. And, and I, I absolutely love that about Lucha Underground, and I'm very excited that they will be greenlit for a third season. Um, for, for people that don't get the El Rey Network, one thing that you can do, I noticed this today, if you go on YouTube, El Rey, the channel, um, actually has its own YouTube channel, and they do release some of the matches from the shows. Um, they do have the main event match from Season 2, Episode 1 in its entirety up there right now, so you can get a really good feel of what the show is all about if you've never seen it before. And uh, and obviously there are other ways of seeing it as well, but I'm just going to pitch the legal way of watching it uh, <laughs> other than actually seeing it on El Rey here on this uh, on this podcast. So, um, well, listen, thank you to everybody for the uh, the awesome Twitter questions and comments this week. Uh, as always, tweet at the show, and we will feature them each and every week right here on the Pro Wrestling Index. Just tweet at PW underscore index. Uh, well, another great show on the books, my friend. 
What do you got coming up? Um, any any special shows in the UK? Anything you want to promote or drop for the listeners before we adjourn tonight? Um, I will be hopefully attending um, another domestic show in the UK this month. Um, we've got um, a local promotion to me called Leicester Championship Wrestling in my hometown. Um, so they've got a, a good lineup there. First show of 2016 that I'm looking forward to attending um, this weekend. And um, on top of that, my aim for this year is to attend at least one domestic show and support the British wrestling scene um, every every month. So I hope to keep that up. And um, that, that's certainly what I'll be up to. And um, as I mentioned with, with uh, Lucha Underground, um, there are many alternatives to WWE. Um, and, uh, you know, they can be found close to home. Obviously, most of our listeners or many of our listeners uh, reside in the UK and there's wrestling that takes place all around the UK. Um, many great shows up and down the country and uh, it's a real hotbed for um, wrestling at this moment in time. So I urge you to uh, look out for shows um, that are close to you. That's, uh, that's great, man. Support indie wrestling, support the independent wrestling scene uh, wherever you are and whenever you can. Um, I just want to say uh, very quickly, congratulations to Gags and everybody who is a part of the the Anfield Index family. Uh, Nina Kauser, obviously, um, our, our friend Dave Hendrick as well. Everybody that has helped put this incredible platform together. Uh, Anfield Index recently celebrating its 100th episode. That, that episode is available right now with a very special guest as well. I don't know if you've listened to it yet, Mo, but... Uh, uh, a great show and, and a huge milestone for everybody involved. So congratulations and thank you for allowing us to be a part of this uh, this awesome journey. Yeah, well done, Gags and the team. It's um, a tremendous accomplishment. It's one of the uh, real success stories um, in the podcast world, the growth and um, success of the Anfield Index channel. And it's only going to get bigger uh, once a new app for Android is released uh, very, very soon. And I'm um, certainly looking forward to that as an Android user. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great platform, and we're very thankful um, to Gags uh, for hosting our um, humble podcast on the channel. Absolutely. Uh, well, listen, everybody, to find out more about uh, about what I'm up to day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year, go to mattsapolsky.com. Uh, also, go to realityofwrestling.com. Uh, for first-time listeners, I am the, the voice um, and one of the hosts, uh, alongside Brad Gilmore, of Booker T's Reality of Wrestling, a weekly episodic television show which uh, can be seen all over the world on our YouTube channel. Go to realityofwrestling.com to find out more about that. Uh, we will be debuting our new arena, the World's Gym Arena from Houston, Texas, this Saturday night. I cannot wait for everybody to see it. Uh, very special. And uh, in addition to that, I also do a five-day-a-week podcast covering sports, sports entertainment, pro wrestling, pop culture, and more with Brad Gilmore. It's called Your Opinion Doesn't Matter, and you can find out more about that at opinionpodcast.com. All of our episodes are archived on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So thanks again to everybody for listening, and we will be back next week with another jam-packed edition of the Pro Wrestling Index because even though WWE may not be on the road to WrestleMania, we are.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello Fresh. 